Today, I'm joined by Star Taylor. He is a conscious coach, a creator, and famous for sharing his wisdom on emotional fitness on TikTok and Instagram. He has an audience of over 596,000 followers on TikTok under name Kings of Kings Energy or King of Kings Energy. Um, I followed his content for over the last year, absolutely love it. And he tackles problems like anxiety, procrastination, ADHD, self-confidence, relationship issues, but comes at it from a really different angle to most people, which makes him stand out. And Star offers advice on how you can think for yourself and live with personal power and freedom. So I'm looking forward to getting inside the mind of Star today. So thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. That was like the best uh, intro I've ever gotten. <laughs> awesome. I always make people listen to the intro. Some people like film it later on, but I want to see, I want to see uh, your reaction. So, yeah, I loved it. I feel very welcome. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate awesome. it. Yeah, you, you are very welcome. Um, I've really wanted to have this conversation for a while, so I'm glad that it can happen. And I think it's going to be a lot of interesting uh, nuggets come up. So, um, yeah, for, for those that haven't come across you before and not seen your content, um, tell us a, a little bit about yourself and about your journey. Okay, yeah. Uh, my name is Star Jesse Taylor. I was born in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, that's where I grew up. I'm American. I moved to America 10, 10 years ago, maybe around. I don't really know because I moved to so many places. Um, I used to drive Uber and Lyft, funny. And so I came here to the US with two bags. I had nothing. Uh, I didn't have a car, nothing. I had some friends I lived with. And over time, I built some things up where I was able to have a car and drive Uber and Lyft. And I was always into spirituality. I was always into growing. I always looked for this one key, this one book, this one teaching that would give me success. Because as many people who came on this path, I came from trauma. Um, I had a very challenging childhood. Maybe I'll talk about it later. I actually never like really talk about my personal things. I only literally teach. Like I only think about giving value. And I think that's part of what people um, res have a respect for me because I usually don't go like, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I think people can sense that. But um, to go back to the story, I went, I had a challenging childhood and I always looked from that place on, damn, I need to get out of here. This sucks. Um, I got bullied for seven years. So that's a part that I can talk about. I got bullied for seven years every single day. And I was like, I want to get out of this. I want to have a better life. I want to have a better future. And so on one point I started like my chiropractor actually had a car accident and he introduced me to the law of attraction and other things and, um, books about sub subconscious and that was just the beginning, not knowing that I actually used those things, even used that mental health in a sense also as a compulsion. But um, over time, fast forward, when I started driving Uber and Lyft, I always loved making videos. And even when I was in the car, I made videos with my passengers because I knew I'm not going to drive Uber forever. I'm not going to do this. Like I am going to use this. I'm thankful for Uber and Lyft for like making money, but I knew I always going to do more. 
So I knew I want to get out of this no matter how. And I loved making videos. So I made like funny videos in the beginning and videos with a lot of girls, actually. I made videos with a lot of girls because I love talking to girls and in my car. And then the first thing when videos blew up of me talking to girls in the car, the guys were like, oh, how are you so confident? And I was like, oh, let me just not answer the questions with comments. Let me go have a Skype call with them, take the recording and put it back on TikTok. So that's what I did. People, guys love my advice. And because I loved, like, I didn't give the advice, the dumb, stupid advice of like, oh, you got to do, sorry, I got to put this back on. You got to do this trick and this trick to get the girls. I always came from a deeper place of building yourself up, growing yourself. And this was very attractive to a female audience too, because as we know, well, most of my audience is 70% females, uh, women who love to grow up 30% guys, but it was very attractive to like the female audience who in the self growth. And I kept talking about that. So in the end, that's what blew up. And I've been coaching for two years. I am practicing every day myself. This is something that I share with others, not to get views. Yeah, I make a living of it, but it's literally me practicing myself. I changed my own brain. I had some of the worst mental health issues you could have. And I found a way to change my brain with practice. Things that other people say you cannot recover from, OCD, ADHD, and those things. And um, yeah, I changed my brain and I'm teaching everybody else along the way. And yeah, now I'm here coaching, doing podcasts, and hopefully, well, I'm, I'm going to give some great value today with you, John, on this podcast that I can share with you guys. So I, I guess, I don't know, that was my first like intro. I hope that was like, uh, gave you an idea where to start. That was great. Yeah. Cause it gave me, it gave me a real overview in a very short amount of time of, um, a little bit about your journey and like fascinating that you know you when you came over to America and then you were driving Uber and driving Lyft but you also knew there was something else that you wanted to do and quite often people just have the idea they might have law of attraction they're like this is what I want to create and they want to go from zero to exactly what, where they want to get to without having to go along the journey and do different things as well um what was what was that like for you at that point did you see the Uber and and doing that job as like a stepping stone for something for you. Yeah. Or go ahead, sorry. Yeah. So was it a stepping stone for you, or was it um, just you were going to do that and then figure it out later? Did you have a, a grand plan for what you wanted to no, do? No, I didn't have a grand plan. Um, I always wanted to do acting, which I which I'm doing right now on TikTok too with my characters. Uh, I want to do acting. Um, and express myself and music I rap too but I didn't have a plan I knew that if I drive Uber and Lyft I'm flexible plus man I didn't I, I didn't have no job experience before like no one would hire me so mm -hmm. like not even like in LA not even as a waiter server people would hire me and I didn't want to work first of all I didn't want to I was smart already in the beginning I've thought about this before I was like I'm not going to be a server because they're going to tell me when to work 
I'm not going to be back in the kitchen because it's just going to like ruin, like I'm just going to be exhausted and not able to do like the things I want to do. So I was like, oh, this new thing, Lyft. And back then it just came up. I was like, oh, Lyft came up and like Uber. And I remember my, um, one of my friends driving back in the day and she told me about this. And I was like, hey, let me like try this out. So I was like, this makes sense because it's flexible. I can say when I start driving and I can say when I stop driving. And I always knew that I'm not doing this job to make money because I will barely, man, I barely was able to pay rent. A lot of times I couldn't even like barely, I was barely paying rent eating once a day. And it was like, but I knew this is way better than trying to go for like a career or something else because I have the flexibility to do what I actually really want to do which was making videos. I always loved making videos. Like, and since I didn't get casted in how I got casted in some things, but the, the directors were always like, we don't like your accent. It was like, not we don't like, not we don't like the accent. It's like, they still have in Hollywood, this idea that a doctor cannot have an accent, that, that someone who lives in America cannot have an accent, that even a bus driver or someone walking the street can, all my, in reality, all my doctors, the eye doctors are for, like Russian, for example, or like all of you here in LA or like in the US, like there's so many, but they said, no, no matter how good you are at acting, we cannot take you. And I got scholarships for like the biggest acting schools out there, but they still were like, no. So I was like, on some point, I got to do this myself. And I always saw the YouTubers and I was like, okay, I'm trying to YouTube. I never got like views with that. In the beginning with youtube and vine but i kept going it was a great thing that i kept going because with vine it was six second videos and the six second videos to make a story in six seconds is an art like you have to bring a story in six seconds and when tiktok came out with 59 seconds or 30 seconds i was like i used to do this with vine i can make tiktoks in 59 seconds coherent ones with like going down the road so i was just trying things out but i never knew it was like I know I'm just going to keep going or die trying, but I'm not going to give up. And the reason with Uber and Lyft to answer your question was not like, oh, um, it was creating a, using something where I make money as a tool to put food in my mouth, to make me pay rent and to have the flexible time for me to make videos and for me to find something that I really love, if that makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> I completely get that. And what I love is that you created something that had the things that were important to you, like the flexibility of when you wanted to work and when you didn't want to work. So yeah. you were able to do that and then mix it in with things that you enjoyed doing and even making videos on the job as well and creating opportunities there too. And you, you mentioned that you, when you would speak to people and you know, you are a confident person, you come across and communicate yeah. with confidence and, and it's it's great right and when people are seeing that and they're wanting to know more about it and then you're not you mentioned that you don't share like tricks with them or hacks with them there was something else that was going on in the um in you sharing with them and teaching them what what was what's deeper than the tricks and the hacks <laughs> well the tricks and the hacks come from a compulsion of human beings to try to get this one thing that I was looking for back in the day that gives you an easy access to success. 
because most people don't want to fear the anxiety. They are a slave to the anxiety. So they are a slave to their emotions. They are a slave to their thoughts. And most people are identified with the thoughts. So they actually don't even know that they're doing compulsions. They're just like, oh, all these healers and all these speakers tell me this, this trick, this, this trick, this, this trick. Let me research, let me research so I can have control over my reality in an easy, comfortable way so I don't have to actually face my fears and face my anxiety. So it's really a compulsion of most human beings. And that's why so many of these speakers make so much money with these five tricks to get confidence. Sorry, that wasn't like about like the, any video, but it's like there's five tricks to do this, five tricks to do that, five keys to do anything. And it's really from a place, and a lot of times they know that, to lure that person in for them to think, oh, so if I do these five tricks, I will have the confidence to do my podcast. If I do these five tricks, I will have the confidence to start my acting career. If I have these five tricks, I have the confidence to do whatever this they want to do. But in reality, that's not how the brain works. And I found that out later, but I found out that I actually used the good things out of what I now know, even back in the day to come to the US, overcome my fear and do things. Uh, but it came more from a place, I and more did it unconsciously, I wanna say, because it came from a place from standing against the wall. It was like, I had no one to help me. Um, I had no family where I was and there was no one I could turn to. So it was either I'm gonna be a loser or I'm going to go through that fear. I'm going to go through that anxiety and I have anxiety and shoot these videos anyway in the car with my passengers, even though it is kind of like, it was crazy what I did. I mean, I can go like deeper into it later, but to answer your question, it's this addiction of people nowadays in society, especially because human beings became more comfortable and comfortable. I can order Amazon. I can order Postmates. I can order anything and I don't have to go nowhere. And they train themselves to run away from emotions because in the morning when they wake up and they have anxiety, they can just grab the phone, go on TikTok and scroll. And they don't know that they actually cause more anxiety with it. I can explain that a little bit later because I don't want to like jump and confuse the audience why that is, why um, they create more anxiety when they try to get rid of the anxiety. But um, the tricks don't work because um they are part of the compulsion that the people are doing so they part of the pattern and they actually feed the pattern with those oh just give me another trick give me another trick i call it self-help addiction it's like it's easier to grab a book read it think you're spiritual and then say oh should i do the podcast now and most of the time they say, oh, no, I'm not ready yet. I need to find another key. Let me get another book. It's easier to sit there and read books and look at videos and say, once I'm healed, once I'm recovered. But they don't understand that this once I'm healed is actually a pattern from the brain to procrastinate more and say that you need to be perfect to start. But actually, you have to show your brain, take that little child that's scared and says, I need to be healed first and to start you actually have to take that little child and put it in those situations, take it with you and do those things no matter how you feel. And then you're showing your brain that it's okay. You have to be the adult now and take your brain to do those things. And that's how you build the skills. And that's how you become successful. 
that goes a little bit more into that. Um, part of it is mindfulness too, to cut out the compulsions, but to make like not going to ram ramble here, I just give you that as the answer. Yeah, I, I think for anyone listening to this, what Stars just said is so, so important when it comes to well-being, personal development, your own personal growth and, and becoming the person that you want to become and realizing true potential. Because I've been in personal development for over 10 years and creating content for five years and working with people for um, the last three or four years. Um, from all around the world and everybody wants that magic bullet they want the, <laughs> you know the steps and the hacks and this is what's so key because there's nothing wrong with them in terms of they're like a like a protein shake or like a bonus there's something that you can have on top of your well-being that's underneath but if you're looking to them for the solution to fix a problem it's literally like having a beer to relieve anxiety. It's not gonna solve your anxiety. It's gonna make you feel better for a moment. And I think the key thing that jumped out at me there was that the hack is a compulsion. The hack is a form of controlling the feelings rather than getting yeah. to the root of the problem. And, you know, there's, yeah, nothing wrong with hacks and tips and tricks and tools. They're great, but they're not going to solve your problem. So for me, I go deeper into this because I look at perspective. And so I might offer some hacks, but the real thing I'm trying to do is shift a perspective because when we have a different set of glasses or lenses on and we're seeing the world differently, then the tools that we use feel different because we're coming from that place. And I know your approach, the way that you've been working, and I want to hear so much more about that is emotional fitness and building mm -hmm. that. Um, and you mentioned doing things when you're afraid rather than using these compulsions and um, hacks to take the fear away or take the emotions away. It's taking a completely different approach. This is very counterintuitive for a way <laughs> that a lot of people have been, been taught. Um, and I have to remind myself of this all the time and get caught up with the, you know, when someone's promising you the marketing or the magic bullet and you're like, oh, mm. great. So when I just do this one more course or I have this one more thing, I knew this when I when I did my coaching certification because I've been coaching for a while and I, 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 I'd done different courses, but I was convinced I have to do the coaching certification in order to then be a coach. But it's just more tools, it's more skills and they're great, but they don't solve the underlying who you are and how you're showing up and and how you navigate things so you know for, for you when you you came to america and you had no support and you're out on your own i can imagine that would have been quite quite terrifying right what what was that like and how did you manage any anxiety that you felt or mm. make, feeling alone or feeling like you know how how do i make decisions and figure all this stuff out and know where i'm going yeah well for me it was actually better where than the place that I was coming from. So it was actually like, yeah, it was challenging because I had to figure it out all by myself, had to figure out how, because things work different here than Europe. And um, I had to figure these things out, but I was running away from pain and it was way better where I was, even with not a lot of money, but with opportunity and without people who constantly like uh, judge me or attack me so but yeah it I, I always suggest to people and even like this is what i suggest to parents all the time 
let your kids raise your kids to become independent stop with the like always cuddling them up yeah make sure they're not in danger of course like don't let them run on the highway but make like let them do their own projects let them be independent let them figure things out themselves because they're showing their brain that they can trust themselves so I'll, and this is the same with kids and adults and i see a lot of kids who have been like cuddled up and always served everything and now they have so much anxiety to do things that they want to do because they never showed themselves that they actually can do things by themselves um i made this video on tiktok it blew up it was this 17 year old girl who drove with her mom to a car dealership and she just had to pick up her car her car was paid for it was somewhere in the yard somewhere around there she just had to go inside to talk to the dealership people to pick up her car and she was sitting next to her mom in the car and she said mom i can't do it i cannot go inside i cannot go inside i didn't sign up for this this is not okay she stepped out the car walked past the car you see it all in the video and she came back to the mom she's like mom i can't do it i can't do it she couldn't pick up her car and i said in the video it's about having the uncomfortable emotion and doing it anyway mindfully the reason why she's where she's at is probably because she avoided a lot of emotions and controlled a lot of emotions and by avoiding those emotions you're showing your brain that those things are dangerous and your brain gives you more danger it wants to show you oh protect you it's like oh there there might be more anxiety here there might be more anxiety here but letting your kids to do things independently is so important and then in the comment section down like thousands of comments and it was funny because it was like almost the same comment over and over that said i used to be so scared like kids i used to be so scared of talking to anyone but then i had to have have to had to get a job in the serving industry and through getting the job they got over their social anxiety because they had to be they had to talk to people they showed their brain even freaking out and over day after day after day after day being there on some point the little child the brain's like oh i guess we haven't been murdered yet it's okay we're still alive we're still okay and this is not the most efficient way to do it by the way this is um because a lot of times they're still doing compulsions in their head mindfulness but what happened with me with sometimes it comes from a place of not having a, any other choice than moving forward and for me it was never there was never a debate of giving up because what what am i going to be a loser like i i never had this in me of um giving up and taking like when i saw people having and i know like people listening think oh when he talks about material things material things are spiritual too and by the way having money is part of happiness it's not the full thing but it's part of happiness cuz let me tell you something from someone who didn't have money was not able to pay his rent and now through coaching has money and through like the things of value get i am happy overall and the reason is because i have the freedom to do the things more of the things i want to do now is it the only key to happiness it's not but what i want to say is i always was like yo i have to i see all these people having things doing the things they want to do 
and I want to express myself with my music, my acting. I want to get there. I want to get to a point where I have a voice, where I can get paid for what I'm expressing. And I, I always knew I'm not going to stop. There was never the sense in my head of like, I'm going to stop driving Uber. I drove Uber for five years, four or five years. I was never like, I'm going to stop driving Uber and I'm going to get a safe fucking job. Like, I was rather like, I'd rather drive Uber for 20 years, which I wouldn't have done. I was just like, I'm going to do things. I'm going to, and even when I was in the car, when I had things that were not, was like, oh, this is a crazy video. I could ask my passenger this. I could film now. And I had this anxiety and it was like, I still did it because what's the other option? Me keep driving. So for me, it was um, a little bit different answer than a lot of people. It was like, I felt like, I have no other choice. I was with the back against the wall. And then an additional thing is, I think I have a very strong soul in a sense where I'm like, I just don't take no for an answer. I'm just gonna enjoy my life in some way, if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely get yeah. that. So there's there's a real drive for you that it's important to, to do that and follow that. So rather than that grand plan, it was following what's important to you. Um, and, the video that you mentioned is really interesting, right? Of how that girl's being taken to the dealership, but she can't go in. And it just shows that if that's something that she's learned over and over again, that when things get difficult, you don't have to go, then you're going to get to that point. And it can be easy to judge her and say, well, you know, she's spoiled. Why shouldn't she go into the shop? You know, she's got all of that there. But when you look at what's going on underneath the surface, it's, there's so much more there. And it starts to become a lot more clear. And again, it comes back to being counterintuitive that the thing that might look like the solution is actually the problem, right? That coping mechanism is the problem. The not doing it, the alleviating the anxiety um, becomes the problem. And so it's having the biggest to problem, it a different sorry. way. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest problem that I see is people asking the wrong questions. That's the biggest problem I see. The biggest problem I see is people asking the question, how can I get rid of this anxiety? How can I get rid of this procrastination? How can I get rid of this overthinking? How can I get rid of this feeling of overwhelming? And the funny thing is to get society there, I might title my video this way, but when they get into the video, they see, oh, wow, this is something that no one, no one ever told me about because even our general fucking therapy, sorry, I'm cussing, but this is just yeah, like, <laughs> even our, even our therapy is so a lot of times a coping mechanism, talk therapy, because people go to therapy and then they go out of therapy and they're like, it worked. I feel better. Mom, dad, it worked because I feel better. That's not the sign that your therapy works. No matter who is telling you that the sign that your therapy is working is that your therapist is helping you, that you are actually doing the things that you want to do. That's, that's it. Having a metric of saying, I shouldn't have emotions when I'm doing these things is causing people to have more anxiety. That's a funny thing. That's a paradox. The paradox is that the more you try to get rid of anxiety, the more anxiety you get. And I'm going to explain it with the brain. I'm, I'm going to explain it real quick. It's the brain's language is 
not the words. The brain actually doesn't. And this, some people listen to this. They're like, this guy is crazy. But I will explain it to you. The brain doesn't understand language. You understand language. You understand how to put sentences together, how to put ideas together. Your brain knows one thing. Your brain knows what you react to, what you spent your time and energy on. That's what your brain knows. And that's why your brain is so good at giving you the thoughts that you react to, the intrusive thoughts. That's why your brain is so good at giving you the fear and overwhelmment or guilt that you react to because your brain wants to protect you. And your brain doesn't have arms. It doesn't have legs to hold you back. But it knows that it's going to give, if it's giving you anxiety, you don't go out of bed to that dangerous situation that you told it it's dangerous. Because you told the brain, you taught it that going to those social events, doing your podcast, making a TikTok account, starting that job, doing that speech is dangerous by avoiding it. Because why would you avoid it if it's not dangerous? So your brain's like, okay, I got it. Behave. He's behaving, she's behaving this way. This is dangerous. So next time he tries to start his project, I'm going to help him to be protected or her by giving them anxiety or depression. And the more you react to that depression, that's the funny thing. The more you stay in bed because of that depression, the more you feed that pattern. But if you actually would be like, okay, I'm depressed. I can have this depression. I can have this anxiety. I'm going to go to the gym anyway. And I'm going to go mindfully. I'm going to go step-by-step to the gym. I'm going to be there pushing the weights mindfully. And I'm growing the things I want to grow. I'm going to grow relationships. I'm going to go to social events anyway. You are showing your brain that the depression, the old pattern of depression or anxiety is not helpful anymore. It's not useful anymore because the brain is a very efficient organ. It will not give you anything that you don't use. If you stop reacting to anxiety and depression, over time, your brain has no no use for it anymore. But if you do it to try to get rid of the anxiety, your brain's like, oh, you cannot trick me. I see this must still dangerous because you're reacting to it. So it's going to give you more. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I think that's where, you know, you look at these emotions like guilt. It's the biggest controlling emotion, guilt, shame, because parents can use it to control their kids because they oh, don't do that because then we're going to be sad. Or and, and then that gets kind of built in. And then what happens is the moment somebody feels guilt, then they jump straight away to solve the problem of guilt or they feel shame and they want to solve yeah. the problem. So what what happens is they're like oh if i say this that it happens before it happens so if i express myself and this person gets offended by it then i'm going to feel guilt and because i don't want to feel that i'm not going to say anything instead so i just won't exactly. say what's what's on my mind and then they get this relief of oh, i didn't feel guilt and that yes. is like the hit of dopamine or That's the hit of reward that just means great keep doing more of that yeah and the brain's saying keep doing more of that because then you won't get guilt because guilt's horrible you don't want to feel that it's uncomfortable and that's why when i'm working with clients and i ask them a question they're uncomfortable i feel great because i know i'm doing my job properly or if they're going to take an action and they're like oh i don't know then they start to move in a direction they've not moved in before and that's where all the growth is going to be because a lot of people have this dream and i had this for many years and sometimes i often have the thought of this and it's well, the dream is you get up on stage to speak in front of people and not be afraid and be completely calm and robot-like. And it's that's the dream. And then feeling like 
if they have feelings and feel nervous, that means they're not confident and that means that they're, they're not doing things right. And it's exactly the opposite because it's a, it's a fantasy, it's, it's not reality. Over time, you can get more, more comfortable doing things. Um, the more that you do them, and then those emotions, you, you, where you build that resilience to it and, and get used to it, they then are not so extreme. So that the, the, that's the thing with anxiety, right? We avoid it. It's because it's we're so not used to it. It's very extreme when you feel it because it's yeah. you you know the unknown is scary. But the more that you're in it and feeling it, but these are really uncomfortable, unpleasant feelings. But then they when they become familiar, rather than it being a ninety or a hundred, where you're like whoa, like and the brain shut down, it becomes like a seventy, and then a sixty, mm-hmm. and people want to go from a hundred to zero with everything because that's what we see so much you know out out in the world um but the reality is it's not it's a gradual process yeah that's why it's emotional fitness so avoiding anxiety avoiding feelings is like avoiding weights it's like avoiding taking the stairs it's like avoiding sweating the more you avoid running the more that you avoid the weights, the more unfit you become, the more the weaker you become. And it's the same thing, the weaker you become with those emotions. It's not that the emotions got bigger, it's you get less able to be a space for them. And so people don't understand why the more they avoid the social circumstances, the more anxiety comes. It's because if you would go with it and be a space for the emotions, you would actually build more emotional fitness. And that is a practice. I wanted to mention something that I forgot earlier because a lot of people are like, okay, what's with the language of the brain? Why is not language the language of the brain? Um, I give you guys, everybody who's listening right now, try to tell your brain right now, I don't want any of these insecure thoughts anymore. I don't want any insecure emotion anymore. I don't want any anxiety anymore. I don't want any of those intrusive thoughts anymore. Is your brain going to say, oh, sorry, we didn't know. You could have told me this. You could have told me uh, not giving me these intrusive thoughts, not giving me this anxiety. Your brain's not going to say that because your brain doesn't understand you communicating to it. Your brain only understands your behavior, what you spent your time on. And it can be spending your time on thoughts in your head, spending your time on emotions, or spending your time on actions. And The most important thing is that, like you said earlier, people react to guilt and then they try to make that feeling feel better. That's still playing the game of the emotional addictive engine. And you will like this, always stay on that engine. You will stay on the engine of trying to make feelings feel better. Most people are in relationships, not because they care about the other person, not because they care about their partner. They are in a relationship. They are in a relationship because they're in a relationship because they trying to make a feeling feel better. They're trying to chase a feeling. They're not in a relationship because they care about their partner. They're in a relationship because they care about how their partner makes them feel. They're not in a relationship because they're loyal to their partner. They're in a relationship because they're loyal to their own feelings. And as soon as their partner doesn't make them feel better, a lot of people are like, Oh, he's not the right partner for me. But it's because they're on the emotional addictive engine. And as long as you're on that engine, you think that's life. But you can literally change your brain to your natural state. 
The emotional addictive engine is exactly that. It's addictive. It's what we talked about earlier. A feeling of guilt comes up, right? That's like the withdrawal when the drugs, when you need the drugs. You take the drugs, you do some compulsion of grabbing the phone, uh, grab Instagram or to make the anxiety go away or actually take real drugs in that metaphor. Um, and you feel better. But what's ha going to happen again? You now just get more addicted. Another withdrawal, a bigger withdrawal. You need more drugs. You need more Instagram. You need more TikTok. Now you're having TikToks where you can have shorter and shorter. You need shorter and shorter TikToks for your attention span. If you saw the TikToks over the last two years, they got shorter and shorter. Not only that, now you have two different screens on one TikTok where the screen above is where someone talks and the screen underneath is where someone has like a race car game because now your brain needs two visuals to keep their attention. That's the progress of the addiction of the society. And it's literally the most important thing that people switch from the emotional addictive engine to the valued action engine. In the beginning, that's going to be uncomfortable. The reason why it's uncomfortable is because your brain doesn't like it. It's scared. You th it thinks you're running on the street. It loses its control over you and it wants to protect you. So it doesn't like you doing new things that it thinks you told it is dangerous. You told the brain that doing your podcast, doing your dream, going out there and talking to guys or girls is dangerous. So now that you're doing it, the brain's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. They are running on a street. They're running on a full highway right now. I need to give them more anxiety. I need to give them more depression. And then some people are like, oh, this must mean something. This depression, this anxiety must mean something. But it's really that you just need to mindfully keep going. And that's one of the most important things, the mindfulness. Because you can have inside, you can have outside compulsions where, for example, when jealousy comes up, maybe I need to explain if your listeners are not aware of what a compulsion is. A compulsion is anything you do to make a feeling feel better to try to control a feeling, to try to control a situation, to try to control a thought, to try to avoid a feeling. It's anything that has to do with you controlling, trying to get safety, trying to avoid uncertainty. So there's outside compulsions and there's inside compulsions. An outside compulsion is, as an example, in a relationship, let's say jealousy comes up and you're trying to make that jealousy feel better by going on Instagram and checking in your stories what your partner is doing so you have control over them or you text them to see what they're doing or whatever you do to try to control that feeling, to make that feeling feel better or get revenge or whatever you try to make that feeling feel better. That's the action. You do something outside. You're grabbing the phone, you're texting them, whatever you're doing to try to make that feeling feel better. Now, let's say you worked with me and I told you compulsions, not good, got cut it out. Let's say you cut out checking the phone for reassurance and let's say instead you do a valued action like maybe you play soccer or you play chess or you go out with your friends growing relationships by having conversations or you're building your podcast if while you're doing your podcast you're doing your videos you're talking to your friends you're still spending time in your head trying to control that situation for example a thought comes in says oh what if he cheats on you right now and in your brain you have a conversation like oh no, he wouldn't do that. Even calming that down is still reacting to the pattern. Or you say, hmm, let me think. When is he usually coming home? He might be home right now. Is he not home? You're still spending time in your head on exactly that pattern. 
So you're still doing inside compulsions. And a lot of people who don't have success, um, the reason for that is because, yeah, they might have cut out the drugs and the outside compulsions and all those things to try to make their feelings feel better. But they're still spending time in their head on those inside compulsions, talking back to those thoughts. Now, we don't have control over a thought that comes in. We don't have control over a thought that comes in. That's okay. You don't have to have control over it. Just don't talk back to it. It's allowed to be here. It's allowed to be here. The thought is allowed to be here, but you don't have to talk back to it. Guess what you can do? You can focus back on walking well right now, having a well mindful walk. You can focus back on driving well right now. You can focus back on playing soccer right now. You can focus back on making this video right now with any emotion and thought that comes up. And that would be the cutting out compulsion part. And what's interesting is behind all of these thoughts and behind all of the stuff that's going on inside of us is a wisdom that we can channel through and tap into that's that's really exciting it's really um where that peace and everything is beyond all of the thought and all of the the compulsions but what i got from that is that if we're trying to change a feeling through a compulsion what we're really trying to do is we're trying to control a situation which then leads us to feeling more out of control versus doing what we want which is having more choice and essentially then having more control and you can see how this on a on a bigger scale shows up if somebody doesn't set a goal at all because the idea of setting a goal which is outside of their control is really scary it's one of the biggest forms of anxiety it's why people don't set goals or don't do things that they want to do because what if i don't do it what if it's too much effort what if it's um too much hard work what if i don't achieve it and that creates anxiety so rather than setting that intention or, or goal, they just don't have it at all and don't do anything. And that's a way of trying to control it and another form of compulsion. Um, and so by saying, this is something that I wanna do and I'm gonna commit and go and do it, you're gonna to have to go through all the feelings in order to make that happen um, and show up. And that's why I, a commitment is a really, really powerful tool um, and why people, I was thinking about this this morning, actually, like, why don't we commit to things? And we could say, well, there's the one reason why we don't commit, but there's millions of different reasons why we don't commit. And they all fought, like, they're all adding weight to the brain's um, power to say, well, don't do this. And then all the thoughts that are coming up. And um, one thing that you mentioned that's also important to note is that we can't control the thoughts that come into our head. Right. And there's a lot of talk of control your thoughts. And I think when we when we take our focus and we, we place our focus onto something and it, sometimes that can be a thought that's really useful. Sometimes it can be a situation or action. That's great. But we cannot control the thoughts that come in our head and, and people beat themselves up for that. I know I did for many years and, and I believed that I was the thoughts, but they're OK. There's nothing inherently wrong about a particular thought. It's just whether we give that energy and we get lost in it and then let that thought dictate our actions and what we do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and it's like the control and safety that you talked about, the trying to get rid of uncertainty. Many people who come from traumatic experiences, they look for that control and safety because the traumatic childhood was very uncertain. There was no control. And now they're looking for the control in anything they can, they can hold on. 
It can be religion where they can, where that religions tell them that they control where they're going to go after death, heaven or hell. And if they do the right things that the religion tell them, they might be safe, right? That's not to say that religion is a bad thing. Everything can be a compulsion or a value. A fire can burn down a house or it can warm you. So I'll give you an example. A few years ago when I started, um, I think three years ago when I started coaching, because I was so ambitious with helping people, I was always like, I have to meditate before every call to be in the right state. But then still, what I realized later was a compulsion because I tried to control a state that I was in. I tried to control something still. So I realized, oh, no, I don't have to do this. This is where I use meditation as a compulsion. Meditation is not to be used to get a certain state to do certain things. And that's what I used to think. I used to think I have to become calm. I have to become clear. But the more you say I have to become clear, the more dirty you feel. That's the funny thing. That's exactly the thing with um, contamination compulsion with OCD. The more people wash their hands, the more dirty they feel. It's the same thing. Everybody, almost everybody has OCD. That's a funny thing. Because OCD is just compulsion. And people who come from trauma try to control things. And a lot of times they get into these teachings. And I got into these teachings. The same thing. I thought, this is great. I can control things with my thoughts. And this is so luring. And this is such an... Getting away from these teachings was almost like I'm losing like a community. Uh, almost like a bad... It felt like... It felt like... My, I, I was... Okay, one of my superpowers that I always say is I'm always willing to be wrong. I'm always will be willing to be wrong if I find something that works better. And it got me to where I am because with the amount of brainwashing, with the amount of books I read about spirituality, with the amount of knowledge I had and even started teaching a lot of these things in the beginning, I, I literally, you could say, I didn't build the identity. Kind of, yeah, I kind of built an identity. And for me to leave that, that's what a lot of people need to do. Because if you look at your life and you ask yourself, am I using this to try to control things, to try to get a better feeling, to try to make myself feel better? And this is what a lot of people use these spiritual teachings for. And a lot of people will even get angry at me for a lot of things, not only spiritual teachings, but like ADHD. When I say you can recover from ADHD. I'm, I'm telling you right now in this microphone right now, anybody, if you have ADHD, you can recover if you do certain steps. You will recover, actually. If you do these steps, if you go through uncomfortable feelings, if you practice your focus, if you practice emotional fitness, you will get no matter what kind of fucking ADHD you have. Now, without even trying out what I'm saying, without even practicing, there will be a lot of people who scream at me and say, no. It's the ADHD brain. Don't you know the scientist said this or this study says this? Oh, really? The study that gives the pharma industry millions and millions of dollars in uh, pills. Not only that, the therapy industry, millions of... Because if you cannot recover from something, you always have to cope with it. And who helps you coping with it? All those fucking stupid medications. 
So it's not, it's, it's not, don't think of it as right or wrong or wrong or right. It's about literally figure out like, what is the compulsion? What are the things you're doing to try to get control and safety? And a lot of times with, for me, I let go of these teachings. Was it easy? No, it wasn't, but it was the right thing looking back because now I feel so much more in reality. I had such like, I was so interwoven in these teachings and I had such like an identity with these teachings that I didn't see reality anymore for what it was. And I was really good at these teachings. I literally could regurgitate a lot of these teachings constantly better than, I watched thousands of Abram Hicks videos, no, 10,000. I watched some again and again. I went to so many workshops. And yeah, part of it, I learned something. I, I got probably some good things out of it. But overall, it came from the place of compulsion. I'm so glad that I was courage, courageous enough to say, oh, wow, this is a compulsion. And now I have a choice. I can either stay with the safety of this community, so to say, and be like, no, this is my identity. And I cannot start something completely new. Or I can go into reality and start something new. And so to so I had to because, by the way, these teachings, eventually, I promise you this, this is what's going to happen. Eventually, they will destroy your mental health. And the reason for that is how the brain works. And I didn't know this, so I explain it real quick. If you always like, I have to think positive, I have to think positive, I have to think positive. In the beginning, it's going to give you like this relief and this excitement. It's going to give you this like, oh, this is cool. This is new. I can control my reality. I love it. So you're saying I can be a superstar, a movie star with just thinking. So I don't even have to do these fearful things anymore. I can just write in my journal. So in the beginning, you actually will have some highs and you will tell everything you meet. You're the best manifesto. You can everything. You're amazing. And, but I'm telling you what the brain's going to do over time. The brain's like, okay, I want to support you. So you, we only can have positive thoughts. Okay, we can only have positive thoughts. And on some point, your brain's like, but wait. So if we can only have positive thoughts, are you saying we cannot have negative thoughts? We cannot have things. So what about this thought? And what about this negative thought? And what about this negative thought? And guess what you're doing? No, I cannot have negative thoughts. It's going to freak me out now. And you become the craziest slave to this. And you're spending hours and hours of your day trying to fix and control thought. And it's going to fuck up your mental health. Not only that, I promise you. And this is for someone who went through this stuff. And there's almost no one who goes through this stuff and gets out of it because they so identify with something. They might jump identities, but they so identify. And telling you, after I cut that shit out, I became more successful than I was ever before in all areas. And it was not through controlling my thoughts. It was literally just about realizing what's the compulsion and making it about the actions that I value and going for those actions. And guess what happened? Along the way, I, I built skills and I became really, really good at what I was doing. And now I'm just giving more value and I get more back. That's how the universe works. You give more value and you get more back. Anybody who wants to make money, that's it. If you find a way to give more value, and that has also to do with you building skills, if you find a way to build more skills, you will win. But most people don't even get into that because building skills also is like, I got to go to the gym when I don't feel like it. Okay, today I'm happy to go to the gym, but tomorrow you might not feel like it, but you're only going to build skills 
if you do that. So I thought it was really important to mention that because I'm sure there's a lot of people who got caught up like me in these teachings and looking for, ask yourself, really ask yourself this question. Do I want to believe these teachings? Do I want to believe they true because they give me a comfort and safety? And if the answer is yes, that might be dangerous. And then you look, oh, wow. This is why I'm so lured in by the tricks and the spirituality and the magical things, because it tells me I can control my reality. And this is what was missing from a traumatic experience. I had trauma and all I wanted to be is safe. I was abandoned by my family. All I wanted to do is being safe. I have control. This is promising me safety and control. And it doesn't only have to be spiritual teaching. It can be anything else. It can be relationships that you're being needy in. It can be anything else. So ask yourself, where am I trying to get control and safety and trying to avoid feelings? Yeah, <clears throat> I love that. And I think a, a great question to ask is, why am I doing the thing that I'm doing? Am I doing it to make me feel better or to alleviate a feeling? Am I doing it because I choose to do it? And I personally think, the most powerful thing that we can experience as human beings is freedom of choice. And if we get to choose what we're doing, great. And if we're keeping ourselves in a prison in our own head, and we're not even aware of that because we're just being a slave to our emotions, then life's not going to be fun for us. Um, and that's what that, if you look at OCD or, or compulsions, really it's perfectionism. Everyone's a perfectionist about something. And what that really is, is that fear of feeling the feelings and being vulnerable because perfectionism or perfection is total control. And that's what OCD is. If I, if I do this, then I'll feel perfectly safe, perfectly safe, perfectly safe. But the more we do it, the, the less safe we feel because safety is in the thing that we're doing rather than us. And I think it's an interesting point you made about meditation because I've used it as a compulsion for sure. And, you know, I got really into it and I had that power of, wow, this is incredible. And I'm reaching new heights and then it became a well I have to do it to feel calm I have to do it to feel good and then the shape of the experience of meditation changes and it's like people can do this with anything whether that's meditation or sex or exercise when it is are you doing it because it's an enjoyable thing that you choose to do because that's what you want to do or because you're doing it to escape something that you don't want to be experiencing and it's such a such a subtle but such a huge difference it can make um, in the way that somebody feels about themselves and the way that they experience life as well. Um, and I think what's interesting, me and you share the fact that we love making videos and love putting that out there. Like I absolutely love it. And I think for me, I the same as well. When you when you were speaking about you know, read all these, I, I spent, I have spent thousands and thousands of hours, people tell me I'm an encyclopedia of personal development, because I can quote random obscure stuff from all over the place on, yeah, law of attraction and mindset and everything. And everything changed when I actually got out and started taking action and thinking for myself, because you've got all these, there are really good concepts. And like we're saying, they're really useful if you're using them in the right way, and not relying on them to sit in a room and just read another book and feel better but you're actually like wow this Tony Robbins stuff I'm going to go out and I'm write down my goals and go out and take action on it 
this stuff works if you apply it. So it's like all of that. And for me, it was it was making content. I know you've made thousands of videos, but that's where the game changes from being a consumer to then being a creator, because then you're out on the front line. People are going to judge you. Um, you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're not going to have good ideas. You're going to have to keep going. And that's where all of the stuff you build that um, ability to, to be able to handle those uncomfortable feelings and challenges and setbacks rather than just trying to make yourself feel good all the time. And I think that's when you're putting it into action, that's where the game changes and, and you, you're out there doing it. So everybody that is taking action and, and putting themselves out there, I take my hat off to you because you're, you're doing it. And that's all that matters. And the, sec the success is in doing it rather than the result or you have to have um, lots of financial success or lots of followers or anything that comes as a result of it you're not again if we're doing it for the money or we're doing it for the followers or we're doing it for i had periods of that where, what can i make that people will really like that would be really good and then i don't enjoy it and it's not fun and then when the likes and the follows don't come in what am i doing wrong and then it's it becomes a compulsion or it becomes something you don't want to do versus this is really interesting this really really helped me shift something in my life let me share that and if people like it great and if they don't great because i'm doing it because i want to because i choose to and that's when if you look at manifestation you then let go and what happens more stuff comes into you because you don't need it versus that i have to have it and we see that in relationships as well it's like i need this person to complete me and make my life better and it's needy energy it pushes them away versus the person who's like i've got a great life um, i'd love to spend time with somebody that would be great and then they bring that into the connections with people it's more attractive and it also allows them to meet the right person for them rather than kind of having to force it so it's this idea of are we doing things um for the right reason for us um and is it something that we're choosing to do or we feel like we have to do um and you know if we look at the idea of like being good enough or believing that we're we're good enough or not good enough if we believing that we're not good enough and then we want to solve that then we're going to do lots of different things to try and protect that or hold on the idea of when we say to ourselves do you know what? i'm good enough to start that career or start a podcast or start a business it's vulnerable because you're gonna you're gonna risk risk failing risk looking stupid and that's why giving giving yourself permission to be enough is actually a very vulnerable act because it means there's no there's no hiding right you're out and, and you're going for it um, and it can feel, um, yeah, it feels vulnerable. It can feel unsafe. What, what I'd love to, love to know from you is what makes you feel safe? And that could be, that could be a great question, or it could be that you go in a different angle, you, but I feel like you get what I mean by that. Because there's, yeah. What, what makes you feel safe? I don't look for safety. I think what I look for, I don't think, I look for growing things I want to grow, like a garden. Mark Freeman talks about this, garden of life. I have values and like physical fitness, relaxation, building my business, relationships, romantic relationships, family relationships. 
And then I'm going to do the actions that grow that garden. If I feel safe or not. And in the long run, yeah, because you're going to build a support system, you're probably going to, you might overall feel happier and safer um, because you're supporting your garden. You, you have more abundance in your garden. But looking for that, I don't look for that feeling. I don't do anything to try to feel safe. But I don't know if your question was directed in the way that I answered it. Uh, this is why I asked the question and then went to think of a different way to answer it. Because I kind of, but I knew that you'd answer it in the way that you did subconsciously of like, what makes you feel safe? And where you've gone is, I don't seek it. Because again, we're, we're back on the same, we can see that, you know, this is what we're going to do. How do I feel safe? I want to feel safe. And then what are we going to do? Loads of behaviors that make our world small. Yeah. It's like an agrophobic stays in that. How can I say safe? I'll stay in my house and I'll never leave. And then what happens? The world is the scariest place in the world. And what you're saying is, I don't seek safety because it doesn't make me feel safe. Instead, I seek doing things that I value, doing things that are important to me. And it's almost like, and you can tell me if this is what it's like for you or not, in seeking those things, a feeling of security comes as a result of that. Is, is that what happens for you or is it something different? I want to like make a shout out to, and I, I have to shout him out because he really like changed my life from the amazing teaching he does. Uh, Mark Freeman, he says mm -hmm. so many amazing things. Guys, check him out on YouTube. But he said this, and this is more what I live like. It's instead of fixing, adding. So I add instead of fixing. And this is the example he gave. If you have a glass of water and you put like three scoops of salt in it, is it going to taste salty? Yeah. 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 But if you have a lake, a fresh lake of water, and you put three scoops of salt in it, does the lake feel, uh, taste salty? No. It doesn't. So I always say, just add more healthy things, add more water, add more things. And along the way, yeah, you might choose something where you fall on your face. But then instead of fixing something, just add some more things. Now, it's the same thing with like social media. I don't know which videos are going to be successful. I mean, I kind of maybe have a feeling sometimes this makes sense and this not. But I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep adding. I'm going to give, keep giving value every day, no matter how I feel like. And then over time, now I have access to talk to people that I didn't have access before. Famous people reach out to me or recognize me even on the street. And I'm like, yo, I want to, I saw your videos. I want to talk to you. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say his name, but a uh, famous college player who's now in the NBA recognized me on the street and it was actually, I was eating at a place. Um, God, I don't want to say where it was, but because it's going to give it away who it is, but I was eating at a place and I didn't even know who he was. He, he recognized me. He was like from TikTok. And I was like, yeah. And he sat down with me and he was so like conscious, wonderful person. 
At first, I was like, oh, are you a volleyball player? Are you a basketball player? He sat down with me, conscious, wonderful person. Um, and afterwards, people came up to me, can we have pictures? Can we have pictures? When I was driving Uber, he wouldn't have come up because he doesn't know me, right? But by adding water every day, water, water, I'm adding healthy stuff. I'm making more videos. I'm making more videos. I'm making more videos. These doors, so to say, open of having like a friendship with like someone who is conscious and who is also successful. I want people to know that a lot of successful people are actually real like sweethearts, so to say, like real like good people. Those are the people that usually you don't have to look out for. You have to look out for, for the people who don't have anything because they have nothing to lose and they come for you a lot of times and trying to take. So through me adding water after water after water, day after day after day, now I have access to so many wonderful people. And not only that, I have access to more money so I can buy better food. Along the way, did I make some mistakes? Yeah. Did I fall on my face? Yeah. But it was not about that one video. It was about, and this is again what Mark Freeman said, the big picture. Think about the big picture. Don't think about this one video. And this is the mistake I used to make. You can learn from this. If you listen to this, you can learn from this. I, I used to make this music video. And I was like, this music video is going to make me break through. This is the most important music video. This is the music video. And I days and days and I spent so much money on it. Was it a little bit successful? Yeah, it was a little bit successful. But afterwards, I was just like, and what now? Like disappointment. And I was young and I didn't realize that it was not about this one video. It was about me making another video and another song and just making another song the next day, another song. But I didn't know that. I was like, this should have been the song that got me out there. But nowadays, if I could go back to that kid, I'd be like, Forget that music video. Like, yeah, shoot it, but make another song, another song. And it's about the skills that you build along the way. And those skills, you can lose everything. You can lose your channel. You can lose videos. You can lose whatever. You will build another channel because you got the skills to do that. So I don't look for safety, but I make sure that I create the right atmosphere for me to have an abundant and easy life um, and I know what I have to do for that is go in the direction and have the uncertainty and also explore new things, try out new things. A lot of things on TikTok was me trying out new things. And I'm never a person who's like, oh, I have successful with these videos now with the last hundred videos. And because I get bored too. And I'm, but am I just going to stick with it now? I can't stick with something. I want to try out something else. And I think that makes me divergent and finds out a lot of things so i'm looking more for adding instead of fixing and exploring instead of staying stagnant and moving forward not in a like way that's i feel like i'm giving away like ideas that i haven't given away before which is good which is like a podcast which it should be so it's first time that i'm saying these things but more like effective of like, yeah, of course, if I'm probably not going to go on Twitch because Twitch doesn't have the reach that I have right now on TikTok. So to use my time smartly, I'm going to use the platforms that are most useful for me. But then I'm going to go in that direction and I'm going to make videos 
and I'm going to give value, even if, oh, this might not be right. This might not be the right thing. Uh, this might not be good enough. I'm going to do it anyway on those platforms to try things out, to get skills. But yeah, of course, if you, you have to ask yourself beforehand, am I using, is this the right platform? Is this a good platform to use? Or is this a good platform to use? If that makes sense. Yeah, completely. And, and I love the idea of not fixing, but adding. Yeah. Um, because when we're fixing, we're, we're just honed in on the problem, trying to sort the problem out. And we're, we're not looking at where we can move into the solution. It's like, looking behind us and saying, well, how can I solve looking behind me rather than we'll just turn around and walk forward, walk towards where exactly. you Tupac said this. Tupac said, uh, you can either ask yourself, why should I have done this? Should I have done this? Would I, could I, should I do it? Or you can leave the pieces on the floor and move the fuck on, move on. Mm, yeah, and it's, it's, it just seems too simple. And it is pretty simple. I mean, a lot of the stuff that really works is very, very simple, but it's but just it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. So, and, and if it was, everyone, everyone would be doing it. And that's why it's, um, it's powerful. But that's a cool story. And um, I think, yeah, when it comes to people that are successful, um, I work with, you know, clients around the world and I've worked with some really successful um, people in a range of different industries. And People think that they're different, but they're not. They're human beings, the same as us. And I remember this when I first looked at the people that I admired, like Tony Robbins and Wayne Dyer. And I'm like, these guys are like gods. And then I realized <laughs> they're not. They're human beings that have worked really hard at what they do. And so got really good at that. But, you know, successful people, they, they may have a huge amount of success in one area, but there's so many different areas to their lives and they might not have success in other areas. So they might be a successful singer, but really struggle in relationships or really good at um, business, but then really struggle with their confidence. Like it could yeah. be absolutely anything. And it's, and that's why, it, uh, you know, I, I heard about Mark Freeman from you actually, and I read uh, you are not a rock, the book, yeah, I amazing. recommend it to, to people. And um that is a premise. You are not a rock. We're not robots. We're not a rock. We have emotions and so do other people. And I think it connects us on a better level to realize that the other person that you're speaking to is a human being and they have emotions, just like you. All the crazy thoughts you have, other people have those too, the doubts and insecurities. And when we judge somebody based on what they've achieved or what they look like on the outside, which our brain naturally does, then it can make us feel less confident because we're, we're making an incorrect um, comparison that's not true. Um, it's, it's so the more that we can appreciate the fact that other people are humans too. And, and also from the fact that when people see sports stars and they're just judging them and shouting obscenities at them or somebody who's a waiter in a restaurant and they're speaking to them horribly, you're forgetting that as a human being, it's a person with feelings just like you. And if somebody said that to you, how would you feel? And they might be able to brush it off because they've had it a lot, but they're still a person, right? And, and that connects us on a deeper level because now we're not just thinking of people as like objects that we can get something from. They're real people. Have a conversation, connect, realize the humanness in them. And it, it makes it less scary too and, and more fun. Um, yeah, the, also what, what I got so from for you is adding and putting out value and doing things that you value, which 
you know, when we are adding value to other people, we don't have to just think, oh, well, do I, let me just add value. We can do it in ways that are really fun for us. Like, I love making videos. I love coaching. I love all this stuff. So when at times get hard, I don't think, I think about quitting loads, but I don't because I love it too much. The poker players that I work with that have had success for 10, 15 years at the top of their game, they're, they're playing like tiny games, big games, everything, play for fun with their friends because they just still love it versus the ones trying to force themselves to love it. It's, it's a different game. So we can add value to people in ways that we really choose and that work for us. It's, it, when I first started, um, I, I wanted to do like some voluntary work when I was playing um, poker professionally and I wanted to contribute. And um, I started, I did some work in a soup kitchen and helped there. And I did a day and it's because I wanted to contribute, right? But I didn't really enjoy it that much. And I, there would be part of me goes, well, you want to contribute, so go and do this um, because it's going to be good and that's what you want to do. But it wasn't right. And in the end, I ended up um, working at a charity uh, called The Listening Place and speaking to people that um, struggle with, or that are suicidal, right? And I would just sit and listen and no coaching or anything else. But I loved it. There was something in that that really hit me. And then me then um, going and volunteering there was something that I valued. So I wanted to do versus if I was volunteering, you know, making food for, for, for people or something else, I wouldn't have enjoyed that as much. So we get to choose what we do. And it is an experimental game to figure out what that is. And we got to go and do lots of things that we might not enjoy or might, might not want to do in order to figure out what we do. And it comes back to taking action um, and getting out there and what I was hearing about you you know adding value but being creative and experimenting with stuff um, again it's all uncomfortable and it's all going to take you to to new and different places um, so what I would what I'd love to know is if you were to tell someone what emotional fitness is and how they can practice it kind of practically yeah. what would what would be what would be without any hacks or, or uh, tips? What, what would be a good place for someone to start? I always start with my clients with social media when they wake up, and because usually people nowadays make their feelings feel better and try to avoid thoughts by going on TikTok or Instagram or checking text messages or checking all kinds of Snapchats. So if you wake up and you start your day with compulsions, you're going to continue your day with compulsions because your brain is just wired like that. Your brain's like, oh, we're doing this right now. And then I'll give you more thoughts of this. So I would push social media till the end of the day. So I'm not even telling people to cut it out completely. Have two hours at the end of the day. Usually people have six to eight hours during the day, just going there. Have your two hours. You can do whatever. You can scroll as much as you want to. You can, Two hours at the end. Of, in those two hours, you can watch Netflix. You can do all kinds of things at the end of the day. But in the beginning of the day, when you wake up, even if you have anxiety and your brain says, oh, we have to figure this out. We have to figure this out. Go like, stop, brain. No, we're going to go now and grow our physical fitness or our business. We're going to create something. We're going to do these actions or we're going to make breakfast for us, healthy breakfast, but we're going to do it mindfully and not while we're doing breakfast, spending time in our head, thinking about what our boss is going to say or your job. 
we're going to make the breakfast. And in the beginning, the brain's not going to like it. It's like, this is not what we're doing. We're usually doing eight things at the same time. This is not okay. We have to figure this out. We have to be productive. We have to plan our work right now in our head. So we're good at work. But even you thinking things that you like, doing things that you like in your head is going to uh, be a compulsion and it's going to turn, your brain doesn't differentiate. It doesn't know, oh, she likes to plan, but she doesn't like to think about things that give her anxiety. Your brain's like, hey, if you like these thoughts about planning, you probably also like these thoughts about your partner cheating on you. And if you like these thoughts, you must like these thoughts. Your brain's like, not, not like this is positive, this is negative. Your brain's like, hey, you've been daydreaming a lot about this. Can you daydream about getting into a wheelchair or having a car accident? Here are some thoughts about that. So it's, a, it's not only a good place to start is also cutting out the things that you think you like doing, like daydreaming or planning your grocery list in your head while you're doing something. So doing that, my waking up, and I like to do something physical, like physical fitness and doing it mindfully. And you can use your phone as a tool where you set a timer and you say, this is what I do, by the way, I go running and I set like a timer maybe for 30 minutes, 45 minutes or an hour, not allowed to touch my phone. I put the timer on and I go running and I always bring my brain back. You always bring it back. You're literally teaching your brain like a dog. So you're running and your brain might be like, oh, think about what Kathy did at work. Or think about what your boyfriend said this time. And the urge is to literally talk back. It's almost like this urge, I have to talk back. I have to control this. And it's going to be about no brain. I'm running right now. And you can like, some fun things I created for me is like, no brain, I'm bougie. I'm running. I'm running like, I don't talk to you. I don't, it's not talking time right now. What are you talking about? And I go back, focusing on running, focusing on around me. And some people are like, oh, how do you do mindfulness? And that's another compulsion. You try to control getting mindfulness. Mindfulness is something actually that you get better at when you practice it. A lot of people are, this is the same thing as asking, um, how am I going to become a great soccer player? Tell me, give me the book or the technique to become a great soccer player. You need to start playing soccer. Now, there's a few things with mindfulness. You just come to the present moment, a good saying to say is do the thing that you're doing well walk well drive well don't listen to music don't listen to podcasts to make a feeling feel better i'm not saying never listen to music but have you tried out to drive without music and podcast it sucks in the beginning and i'll tell you why it sucks because your brain has the fear it loses control over the thing that you used to do which is avoiding feelings and avoiding thoughts so it's like no it gives you it's going to give you good reasons like no Give me, uh, we need to listen to a podcast. We need to listen to Joe Rogan because it's going to make us grow. It's going to give you a good reason. It doesn't care. It will give you a good reason. And if you do it, you are still a slave to the brain. So think about this. Are you setting your values or are you reacting to the good ideas that your brain gives you? Because a lot of times these good ideas are really just compulsions again. Yeah, from time to time, while you're making a video or creating something, your brain's going to give you a good idea and you can use it then. I'm not saying anything against that. But if you wake up and you say, I'm going to go to this social event tonight because I want to grow my relationships. And yeah, I have anxiety, but I go. And if at night, just before the brain's like, no, you need to be more productive. You need to maybe work on this project. 
the brain will literally, and I'm saying this truthfully, the brain, it will feel wrong. The brain will give you thoughts that it makes it feel wrong. But that's exactly why you got to do it. Because you're showing your brain that you're the boss and it only feels wrong because it's the old pattern. But over time, the more you do it, it will feel normal. But it's not about the feeling. Get the feeling out. It's about doing the actions. So I tried to give like some examples where you can like start doing emotional fitness. Um, you can check out, I mean, I'm going to say this here, shameless plug, but the emotional fitness program. I know um, you tried it. I think you got it. I have done it. Yeah. I went all the way through it. I got a lot of value from it. I can highly recommend it to anyone that's um, wanting to build their emotional fitness and wanting to um, really practice some of the concepts that we've been talking about today um yeah it showed it within that program there's clips of star actually coaching people on these very topics so people are gonna bring up a lot of the questions that you may well have questions i had um and they're getting coached on it and then you're getting to see that and really get the value from that so it really helped me get an understanding what of what emotional fitness is and some practical ways that we can apply it other people are applying it um and, and diving in so yeah i highly recommend that um for anyone that's that's interested yeah so it's really about changing your emotion your it's coming from it's it's looking at your emotions in a new way it's changing your relationship with your emotions people categorize their emotions they say anxiety is good frustration is bad um oh sorry anxiety is bad frustration is bad anger is bad and happiness only happiness is good we all need to be happy happiness happiness everything's happiness i need to be happy and they're chasing a feeling of happiness and i have to find this feeling but this is actually causing more unhappiness to chase happiness because you're literally saying okay I need this feeling to be able to do the things I want to do. And if I don't have this feeling, there's something wrong with me. Guess what your brain's going to do? Your brain's like, wait, are we happy? I don't think we're happy right now. And it's going to get deep, more detail. And deep. we don't have all the happy thoughts right now. We don't have this perfect thing. And this is going to look for all the reasons why you're not happy. Maybe it's like the smallest thing. And it's going to make you unhappy. And this is where cognitive diffusion comes in. The differentiation between you and your brain. Understanding that you are not the thoughts. Stop identifying with the thoughts. Even when thoughts come in like, I'm not good enough. Even thoughts like, I want to kill myself. A lot of times that is not you. It's not you. Actually, every time it's not you. It's a pattern that comes in to try to control, like, I'm not good enough. Oh, now we can avoid this. It's going to give you the old pattern to bring some control in. It doesn't even know what it's saying. I want you to really understand that the brain has no idea what it's actually talking about. It literally gives you what it knows you react to. And it knows to the dot from being with you since you were a toddler, what you react to. And don't think everybody reacts to the same things. Some people react more for guilt, like a lot of religious people, like they're like, oh, if I do this, I'm morally guilty. Some people react more for anger. Some people react more to depression. Some people react more to anxiety. We're not, the brain gives you what you will react to. And if you don't react to it anymore, over time, it will not give it to you anymore. But that's why it's going to be comfortable being uncomfortable. 
because in the beginning, those things are what you always reacted to. So now not reacting to it, it's almost like craziness. And it will use, it's not really using your intelligence. It will use what it knows you react to even in thoughts. It will combine thoughts. It will combine emotions. And something to look out for is when it doesn't have access anymore, when you don't react to emotions and thoughts anymore, sometimes it gives you headaches. It gives you bodily sensations because your brain even has access to that. So to really give you the truth here is it's not even about emotional fitness. Emotional fitness is just something that happens um, while you're doing the important thing. The most important thing I'm going to give you guys this today is doing the actions. It's doing the actions that you want to grow mindfully because then you don't do compulsions in your head if you're doing them mindfully. And you don't do compulsions if you do the actions because you do the actions because you value those not to make a feeling feel better. You want to grow something not to make a feeling feel better. So really, if you really were going to go really deep, it's not about emotional fitness. It's not about compulsions. Trying to build emotional fitness or trying to make it about compulsions is a compulsion itself because then you're like, is this a compulsion? Is this not a compulsion? Am I building emotional fitness? All of that is still trying to get a result. It's about, hey, I want to grow this. What actions lead there? I'm going to do these actions and I'm going to do this mindfully. And you know what's funny? When people hear me talking about this, it's like, wait, what? This is way too simple. No, let me go to Joe Smo's program who gives me the complicated, magical unicorn technique, 369, blah, blah, blah technique that gives me the safety and control to do the thing that I want to do. Guess what? It is that simple. Life is that simple, but it's way more challenging than using Joe Schmo's technique because you literally have to accept the uncomfortable emotion, ignore, not react to your brain and show your brain a new way to do things. Take that little child that was scared by the hand that said, we don't want to be bullied anymore, but we don't want to be abandoned anymore, but we don't want to be finding out that we are a failure. Take him by the hand with all those emotions, all those insecurities and doing it anyway. And over time, your brain's like, why would I bring up these insecurities and thoughts if you go there anyway all the time? But it's, not, it's still not about the emotions. It's literally you guys changing from the emotional addictive engine to the valued action engine. And be kind with yourself. But it's a practice. It's a process. Everybody who tells you there's a trick that you can use for a week is a fucking liar and is using your money and is using your compulsions to try to get the comfortable, safe thing for their own pockets. So it's literally like a sport, like coaching. And But you will see the results along the way. You will see your brain change along the way. After I really, I'm a very ambitious guy, but after I practice like for two weeks, even just two weeks, just being in the car, driving and mindfulness and um, focusing even the brain says, turn the music on, turn some podcasts and always focus or spend time. Then, then a lot of thoughts come in, spend time back and focusing on driving well, even though boredom comes up and anxiety. Over like two weeks already, like I had way more capacity to hold emotions. I was calmer. I was more productive, less thoughts come in my head. It's, it's going to be different for every person. It's going to be about the work you put in. But guess what? It's going to be easier because you're going to get stronger. 
the other way you don't have an alternative because it might feel like a boost of like compulsion juice and drugs but you literally are going to get weaker you're hurting your mental health and over time you will have just anxiety after anxiety you will get in a hole so it's, it's going to be like that challenge of going in that direction anyway doing the things that you value with any emotions and thoughts and doing it mindfully and yeah i can give you as much i try to give you as much as i could in this podcast but i'm telling you don't even use what i told told you today as a compulsion of like oh i need to use mindfulness and this technique and am i doing this right or should i get another program should i get another program should i watch another video yeah from time to time you can use it as a reminder or maybe you need some more information and watch something else but i'm telling you your brain is not changing from what i say today in this podcast your brain is changing when you do the actions and you don't feel like it when you do the actions with any emotions and thoughts when you practice mindfulness as hard or challenging as it might be over time your brain will change you will be more productive you will be more calm and you will trust yourself trust is not built by having a trusting feeling before a confident feeling before trust is built by showing that little child and showing yourself that you can do those things with any emotions and thoughts this trust is built by saying i can only do this thing if i feel confident i can only talk to these girls or guys if i feel confident so that was as best as i could to like kid into the emotional fitness yeah no i love it that and there was in a um, short time that we have yeah no i appreciate it there's there's a lot of value in there um that i'm going to take away i think a lot of people um can take that away as well because really it's like the same as like i was saying earlier like i was hearing uh wayne wayne dyer saying amazing stuff tony robbins brené brown all these great teachers i'm learning from them and then it's it's when you actually apply it then it happens and the the value that you're sharing now and the insights that you're sharing around how people can change it all works if they apply it right rather than just listen to that and go these ideas are amazing that oh great now i feel so much better because i've got exactly. the answers that i need they are but if you apply them then you really get to sit in that and and experience that and i know my brain tells me all the time that i'm because i i when i'm shifting perceptions you can't see that it's a it's a shift that goes on inside somebody the same way that when someone trains themselves to be somebody different they'll start seeing themselves in a different light their self perceptions will change as a result of having done uncomfortable actions over time um and my brain's like well you need this on paper and you need these steps and you need to be able to show, show people all of that because it we have the brain's addicted to thought it's addicted to information and that's why the more we consume the more we want and the more we think the more we want to think and it goes on and on and on until we have that self mastery and self control to say i'm going to let that go i'm going to come back to the present moment and it takes effort to do that um but the results are are, are really powerful and it's because we our brains wanting to avoid discomfort and it's wanting to avoid pain and i came across a, a brene brown quote actually recently or i heard her saying i wrote it down because it really jumped out at me she said we will do almost anything to not feel pain including causing other people pain and it's yeah. so much easier to hurt than to feel hurt and that's the thing it's easier to think to consume more information 
it's how the marketing industry and most of the industries are built on buy my product your life will be better you'll be better and we both know that's a lie you don't need anything in order to be better you just need to be um being you and letting go of anything that's in the way of that or this idea that your happiness and success will be somewhere off in the future it's it's right now in you doing the things that you want to do and that might be different for everybody for, for some of us it's doing podcasts like you know and, and enjoying that and creating videos and coaching for somebody else it might be um being a teacher or being a parent or being a friend or whatever it is that, that's there for you and the idea that there is a particular route that we can do is etched in that right somebody might just want to um be do if, i can't think of an example but like whatever they want to do that we have society-based ideas of what you should be doing you know be an influencer or go and do this and then that everybody looks at that and thinks that's great but it's only great if you're enjoying doing it because you're the one experiencing it and um, being in the moment and and um that has to do it um so yeah to the the question that i have for you is if you if you could go back with everything that you now know um, and have experienced and give your younger 12 year old self a piece of advice um what would you what would you tell them i know a lot of people give the answer like i would not change anything because that's got got me here but that wouldn't be my truthful answer i would probably say go earlier to the u.s and but then and, and i would say switch the school because i got bullied for seven years in that school and some people are like oh if you got bullied in that school probably going to be in that other school no it wasn't but i got way too late to that other school but then again, if I wasn't that bullied that much, maybe I wouldn't have become such a hardhead. Um, I don't know. That question is hard. And I actually don't like like answering that question because you never know like what would happen. But I think one of them, I think I would have, my 12-year-old, I would have wanted to know. I, I really would have wanted to know about this. I, I would have wanted to know about compulsions i would have wanted to know and explain it to me in a way that i would understood it stand it as a 12 year old and there's ways to make someone understand and show a 12 year old to go out there and do actions with any emotions and thoughts and teach a 12 year old mindfulness i think i would have wished for that and i, I would i would tell if once i have a 12 year old once i have like once my kid is like six i'm going to teach that my kid Actually, it's more of a not teaching them the weird ways of society because a lot of times they're already mindful and it's going to be just about ex letting them explore more things. And what would I have told my 12-year-old? such a hard question. I would have told him to explore a lot of things, not, um, not try to get... not not thinking that that one friend that you had was be so scary about losing them. It's not about that one friend that you lose. It's about 
you growing and building skills and exploring more things and trying more things out and don't chase this big goal of trying to be in the NBA, trying to be a pilot, trying to be so playing soccer. Just to do the things, just spend time on the things that you want to grow and build skills and do them with any emotions and thoughts and give more love to your family, pay more attention to your family. And because I felt like I was like, I felt like I never had enough because I didn't get, so I felt like I need to, and I feel like I didn't give enough to attention and love to my family. Um, so like things like this, but you, you cannot, I mean, you cannot go back and you cannot teach um, my parents at their parents, you know, they weren't taught these things, but it's good that we have like information nowadays out there. And there's some people who change things like us who actually practice these things. And it's, it's important to practice the things. And I, I think I was always a kid that knew that, that it's about the practice. I could have been more efficient if I had like my big me telling me that back in the day. But um, yeah, such an emotional, such a great question. Do you ask everyone that? I do, yeah. I, I... It's, such a, it's, it's such an emotional question. I think if it was like a client ask, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would have gone, but like, yeah, I wanted to answer that as truthful as I could. Part of it is like, you never know because you don't know where you would have ended up if you, but I, that's some, what I talked today about, I, I hope people understand that this is not like a technique that like a religion or things that people put on someone. This is literally, literally your natural state that you get to by not feeding those old patterns, trauma patterns anymore, and instead making it about the actions that you want to grow. So I would tell that kid, explore things, go out there and explore as many things as possible, travel, don't make it about results, don't chase this whole famous thing and like, that will come anyway if you do the actions and build so many skills. You cannot be denied if you make it about mindfully doing step-by-step the actions um yeah and, and and i would tell them you don't need to get something from someone else you don't need to get authority someone else they don't know better than you you can learn but literally you got yourself i would tell them you don't need this special trick you don't there's no special trick i would tell him if he would listen to me i would be like there's no special trick you don't need a special trick it's you got yourself you got all everything you need and now it's just about you doing the actions that you want to grow and learn along the way and do the skills. And this thing, if I would love if you got it because people get so enticed by these complicated teachings because they seem so, they must be true because they so woven and complicated and spiritual and there's light and there's flashy things. But this is the efficient, this is what, this is actually what works. I know that it works because I changed my brain. I experienced it. And I know that a lot of the other things that I used to um, believe in just are confirmation bias. If I look back, I was just looking for it to be true. So I would literally give that to my kid. And I hope a lot of parents give that to their kids because that's how people stop being slaves to their emotions. And if you stop being a slave to their emotions, how can there be war? How can there be um, 
hurting other people in relationships if you're acting based on your values. Yeah, people will still be hurt, but not you trying to make a feeling feel better. And because of your jealousy, you're trying to get revenge by cheating on someone. You're not on that emotional addictive engine anymore because you train yourself to be on the valued action engine. That's such a great question, man. I would probably get, need like some more deeper stuff in that, but so that, that, that caught me off guard and I'm glad I like answered it in a way that's like vulnerable. So yeah. Good. Yeah, I love that. And I love your answer. And I love, you know, where you went to with that, right? And, and you went real deep. And um, it's what well, I wrote something down there. Because... Give me another question like that. These are good. <laughs> good. I don't know where you guys, but these are good. These, I, I kind of like it. It's like building the skill now to be like put on the spot, on the spot. Try, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of. yeah. And that's it. It's that, and then that is that exploration. It's that new. I, I, there's one more question that I definitely want to ask you because it's going to bug me if I don't anyway. But what, what, one thing you said there about the confirmation bias, right? Because we look mm -hmm. at going back to 12 year old self everything that's that 12 year old version of us that's going through life it's confirming what they already know and the brain is wanting to confirm what's already true and then it adds and adds and adds and adds and adds more weight to that and that's why you mentioned earlier one of the things that's helped you um to grow is not having to be right you don't have to be right about everything you don't have to prove everybody wrong you just get to do stuff and then figure out from there when we because this is like the, the curse of being an expert i'm like going out again i'm an expert i know what i'm talking about i've got this stuff it's like i have to be right i have to be perfect i have to prove you wrong like no i just know stuff that helps and if you want to do it it might be really helpful for you and then that's great and things that i was right about 10 years ago I was wrong about and then now I'm you know it's constantly disproving that and finding out what's new but what's also interesting is you know if 12 year old you had the advice that you've given it today you wouldn't be the person you are now and you know we're grateful for the value that you offer and all the oh, experiences and challenges that you went through make that you now right so that's what we get and so it might have been different who knows you could be like some like you made like 10 billion and be some sort of like crazy investor and gone down a different yeah. route. But that's, that's what's kind of meant to happen. But two words jumped out at me straight away from what you said out of everything. There was lots of stuff in there that, that I really loved. Um, two words jumped out and you said, go earlier. Say it again. You said, go earlier. So I'd go to, go to the yeah. US earlier. Right. Yeah. And for me, that hits, hits deep because that's what I think life's about we we have these gut feelings we have this in our heart what we want to do and we wait and however long we wait is what it is but when people say like oh well I do it when I'm ready you're ready the moment you decide that you're ready and I'll often get dms from people saying um hey hey I really you know I love your stuff and I really want some advice on um how can I overcome fear or I'm in this relationship and I don't know what to do can you tell me what to do or um, I want to be more confident. Can you give me some tips and some tricks on how to do that? You could Google tips and tricks. You could, it's all out there. Everything's yeah. out there. You know, what you're looking for is me to do it for you. you yeah. know, that, that's, that's what it is. Um, and so by going earlier, by taking the risk earlier, by being vulnerable earlier, you get to find out who you are and you get to walk the path and you just get to speed the path up. Yeah, I love that what you said. Yeah, we we just yeah do the things. 
the brain's going to tell you you're not ready yet. Do it. Do it. Do it with the brain saying, it's not you saying you're not ready yet. It's the brain saying you're not ready yet because that it literally procrastinating to control not being hurt, to control not failing. But you need to fail. And you might not fail, but you need to fail or you need to go through these things to build skills. And I love what you said about you can't Google these tricks, but you know what you can't Google? You cannot Google experience. You know what the funny thing is? Gary Vee said this. And before he said this, I already knew this because I see it. He said, I give everything away for free. And they asked him, why are you so confident to give everything for, for free? Everybody's able to use it and they're going to be bigger competition. And he was like, they're not going to use it. <laughs> Most people are not going to use it. Most people are not going to use it. And um, yeah, that's the same way like me. I literally give everything away. And that like some people are like, oh, but what if some other teacher take regurgitates all your information, takes your book, teaches the exact same thing. They cannot, if they don't practice the amount of things I practice and I practice, I really practice. If they don't practice and go through these things, they don't even, they're not even able to grasp it fully. They're not even able to have a full understanding. And they're not able to teach another person from all the angles I'm able to teach them because it's like a professional tennis player who has done the backhand, forehand, up from all angles. And now he's able to teach someone from all angles and is not going to be stumped at any examples because he practiced it so much, coached so much that he has an experimental relationship with life instead of regurgitating information. And I'm telling you, most people, therapists, I see some crazy therapists out there regurgitating information, and which doesn't work, by the way. A lot of the therapy you guys go to that they learn in university, there's some crazy stuff in there. And there's some nonsensical stuff in there. And they just sit there and talk about the past and talk about things instead of actually going out there doing things. That's like, and Mark Freeman talks about this. That's like talking about doing the bench press and never going to bench press. So it's really about the practice. But this is even like this podcast. I mean, there's probably like some people who listen to this and be like, great information. I love these guys. They're great, man. And it's going to give you something. But there's going to be some people who are like, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to do this mindfully. And those are the people that will be successful. And then there's going to be some people who are like, okay, that was great. Let's go to the Joe Rogan. Let's go to the next podcast. Let's go to the next thing. Let's find something more to make the feeling feel better. So it's, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's trippy if you look at that 95% of people are chasing, teaching after teaching, authority after authority. And it's exactly the same thing that you said earlier. When I was a kid, I thought famous people were different, especially being from Germany, because you're not in the US, uh, in LA, like meeting them all the time. I thought, I, I followed Alan Iverson as a basketball player. I thought he's like so different. I thought they were special. And the problem is they also been put on a pedestal like they're special. They're getting hyped up because the media companies around make so much money of saying King James, LeBron James, he's a special being. He's the chosen one. 
No, he's not. No, he's not. And he's not as like, he's a good basketball player, but he's not like this immensive, gigantic human being that you guys make him in this special, like walking on water. And a lot of these like pop stars, even they make them like as these, no, they learn, they sing, they have a, they have a great voice. And, but once I met these people, it was only by me and even me just coming into this position. I'm still like, I look myself in the mirror and I, I look at it and like, how did I even get here? Like, how are people wanting to take pictures with me on the street? How are people like writing me as if I'm like this, like every day getting, like every month getting thousands of messages about what to do and all this stuff. And it's like, I'm a normal human. And I, I, I didn't say this earlier, but I used to work with kids for like also like three, four years here in LA and we used to do schools, but we used to do a lot of celebrity houses. So a lot of celebrities that you guys know out there with their kids, I hung out with them and they are normal as people. None of them are special. Yes, they have special skills because they trained them with actions, but they, and they might have some like it, talent, so to say that comes like that makes it easier, but it's still, it's still literally practice and them having skills and you guys can go the same if you just go in that direction and don't give up if that makes sense yeah definitely and, and it's you know that mastery comes from being in there and doing the action and that's that's what you get that you cannot get from reading or doing a book or anything else um you know it's like creating the podcast i would prepare and prepare anything i do for the first time i over prepare you know i have like hundreds of questions and everything mapped out and then i get in and then i use two questions because the conversation goes where it goes and then you, but you don't know that and don't learn that until you're in there and it's yeah. like the same with therapy right I, I did therapy for six months i learned a lot about myself there was a lot going on and it, it was really useful. But what compounded it for me is afterwards, I took so much action. I got really into action in my life. And so all this stuff that I discovered about myself and shifted, I applied and put it out there. And that's the great thing about coaching is that we're having a conversation. We're finding out what's going on and then crafting actions that make it um, actually happen. And there's some accountability there each week in order to move those actions forward. And the way I'm able to understand people is because I have hundreds and hundreds of conversations with people, different people, and I hear what happens for people, what their struggles are. So that helps me understand them and then helps me to look for ways to help them in ways that you can't get reading a book about, well, this is why people struggle and this is why you procrastinate. Everyone procrastinates for different reasons. Maybe the underlying factor is wanting to avoid stress or discomfort or pain, but it shows up in different ways. But we the more that we understand that ourselves, right? How's it show up for me? This is what I'm up against. And these are the actions I can take. You can only get that by doing it rather than on a book um, or something else. And, you know, so often I hear people say, things were going great when I was meditating and everything was good. And then I stopped and then, and then, yeah, I didn't really, nothing, it's not been as good recently. What can I do? <laughs> well, I think you've answered it yourself there. So um, yeah, it's just that power of, taking the actions um, and being consistent and then being kind to yourself when it, when it doesn't work out as well. Um, there's one question I want to ask you before we, we finish up. And um, it's just around when, when someone's feeling those uncomfortable feelings and they're, they're doing a task, they're preparing for something. 
Um, and it's too much, right? They can't just carry on and do the thing because it's too much, but they don't want to go to a compulsion. What can they do in that moment to not take the feeling away, but also, you know, regulate themselves and be able to stay in it, to be able to do the thing that they want to do? Do you have an example? So say somebody is um, working on a speech that they've got to give and they sit down to write the speech and it's triggering them because they're thinking, well, this is going to, has to be perfect and I'm really scared and it's too much. Um, and so they sit down to do it, but then they're too anxious. They can't do it. So then they want to go on the phone, check, in, check Instagram, yeah. they want to do something else. But staying in it is really hard. What, what can they do? Well, there's two things. First off, saying you can't do something is already giving you a lotus of control outside. And people always talk about, oh, I can't do this because I have emotions. I have this crazy panic emotion of uh, panic. And that's why I can't do these things. Emotions are not like tentacles. Emotions are not knives. Emotions are not like arms holding you back you can do it with the panic if i would give you a million dollars with panic to run to the next find the next movie theater you would be able to do it it's not saying it's not challenging but it's saying physically you are able to do it now this is part of the answer and I'll talk to this with my clients. Yeah, it makes sense if something is 400 pounds, you cannot lift it a lot of times. But we have to look at how did it get there? How did it get to 400 pounds? How did you get so weak that it's actually more like you cannot lift 20 pounds anymore because you got so weak? So how did it get there? And it got there by a lot of compulsions that you did before. So it's actually not about this one situation it's about from now on that you cut out for example it's the same patterns i'm gonna show you it's the same patterns so you trying to avoid anxiety this high panic by going on social media is the same as you trying to avoid boredom by going on social media all the emotions are connected some feel bigger and some feel smaller but when you practice that emotional fitness with boredom and a slow amount of anxiety, you will also get stronger with a bigger amount of anxiety. Now, I still want you guys to work with the 400 pounds, so to say. But yeah, it's going to be not this one trick that you're doing then right there. The, the answer would be to write it anyway with the panic and to go on stage with the panic and focus mindfully on what do you want to give? Instead of, because that person's mind already does a lot of compulsions on what are these people thinking about me? Oh, they're probably hating me. What if I fail? So the thought can come in of, oh, how is the speech going to go? But if then you like, oh, yeah, right. Maybe they, I'm going to fail. You're talking back to that thought. Instead of coming back mindfully to preparing the speech, even if those thoughts come up and you go mindfully back, I'm writing this right now. And then you ask yourself, okay, what value do I want to give? Instead of 
what do I want the reaction of the audience to be? Because if you can control that reaction. Yeah. If you make it about what validation can I get from the audience, you are showing your brain that you love getting validation. Your brain doesn't differentiate. It doesn't judge you for chasing validation. It's just like, oh, he loves chasing validation in other people. Okay, how can I support him more in chasing validation in other people? Oh, I don't have arms or legs to support him in chasing validation in other people, but I have emotions, thoughts, and bodily sensations. So I can give him more insecurity. I can give him more thoughts of not being good enough that he can react to because then he will chase more validation if I give him more feelings and thoughts of insecurity. That's the same with the girls that post on social media. If I give her more comparison thoughts about that other girl that seems hotter than you, then she's chasing more of the validation. Yeah. So it's going to be about sharing yourself in a way that you value, giving what you value, and then you're showing your brain that you value yourself. Now, in the beginning, it's going to be uncomfortable because the old brain pattern says, no, you got to share to be safe. You got to share things that other people are going to like you because you don't want to be judged and bullied again, like in fifth grade. Do you remember? And you got to be like, okay, brain, a little child. No, it's okay. I'm going to mindfully do this. Now I'm going to share. And it's going to be like, no, you can't. And you're going to do it anyway with the uncomfortable emotions. And the more you do it, the more you show the brain that you value yourself because you're doing the things that you value. And then your brain will support you in that. And over time, it stops giving you those validations. But the answer is, it started way earlier. It started when you reacted and talked back to those thoughts. It started when you try to control anxiety. It started when you avoided writing that speech the first time because you said you're not good enough. It started when you didn't go on that stage to perform and told your dad and mom that you're not ready yet and you need to take more speech classes. It started in those situations and all the patterns are connected. It's a checking compulsion. It's a chasing compulsion. You're checking in your head if you're good enough. It's the same thing as checking in your phone if you got enough validation likes from your social media. It's the same checking compulsion and it's going to be about eradicating those compulsions along the way uh, on all those hemispheres. And the more you take those compulsions out and focus on doing the things that you value, over time, you will be writing those speeches and going on stage. But now you got to go on stage anyway with the panic and embrace the panic. There's a study out there that says the biggest factor of panic attacks is people being scared of panic attacks. So it's actually going to be uh, Dr. Reed Wilson talks about this and Mark Freeman talks about this too. Give me more anxiety. This is great. Give me more. I love the anxiety. It said, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Give me more. Because the more you resist the anxiety, the more you say, I'm not supposed to have this feeling, the more the brain freaks out about it. So it's going to be about, I can have this anxiety and I'm going to go on stage with anxiety. And a lot of people are like, no, I should only go on stage when I'm confident because only when I'm confident, I'm going to give a good speech. And then your brain is like, oh, we need to be clean before we go on stage. We need to be clean and not have this disgusting feeling of anxiety. And then your brain is like, oh, but does this cause anxiety? Is that causing anxiety? Is those people causing anxiety? And the brain looks for more reasons for you to have anxiety. So the answer is going to be, I can have this feeling 
write this now, have this panic and go on stage and do the action. Only make it about the actions and do it mindfully. And can you have the anxiety? Can you have the panic and do it? Even with the bigger things, it will give people so much more breakthrough. But yeah, you can start with the smaller things, with the cutting out social media, with the talking to five people because you said you're going to talk to five people, saying hi to five people because you said you're going to say hi and make your success just saying hi, not about the result, not about their reaction. It's almost like, I always say this, a guitarist who's performing on stage is not going to look in the audience and it's like, oh, do you like the way I play the song? They just play that song. And the same way, if you share yourself with someone, don't check in their face and don't check how they like it. Share yourself and share your value. Yeah, your brain's going to be like, oh, but we never shared ourselves this honestly and in a way that we value because we always did it in a way that we thought is cool by the standards of society. And you can't react to that. And if you share yourself more in a way that you value over time, you actually become more confident because you're showing your brain that that's okay. You're taking a little child and you're being your real self. Because if you always chase validation, you're going to be the fake self. And then you're going to attract fake friends because the friends are only going to know, oh, this is what he's like. Oh, I guess I'm going to be his friend. But you're going to be friends with people that like to fake you. But when you share yourself in the real way, the way you value, there's going to be people out there who are like, I love this guy for this. But that's why you need to go to events that you value and share yourself in a way that you value because that's where you meet people with similar interests, not where go where you think it's cool and where other people say it's cool. You go to places that you value and then share yourself in a way that you value. And then people will recognize you for who you are. And that's why um, pickup artists, right? The whole pickup artist online, that's why that shit doesn't work at all. The reason why it doesn't work at all is because they still teach techniques for the guy to be attractive in the eyes of the girl. So he's still trying to change himself in a way to be attractive in the eyes of the girl. So he still chases the validation. Now, what people don't tell that person is that the brain learns from that. It learns that you love chasing the validation and it will give you more insecurity and more insecurity no more, matter how many tricks you do. And you might get as far as being in a relationship with that girl. But in the relationship, you cannot lie for long. The real you will come out because you will be phased by a lot of things if you're not yourself. And guess what? Being yourself and sharing yourself in a way that you value unapologetically might not get you that girl because that is not a fit. But it's more attractive. Even though we don't look for attractiveness, it's more attractive because you're just being unapologetic. And we don't look for it, but you're also going to meet people who you actually are attracted to. Like you, sh you literally change your attractiveness. I used to be attracted to people, to girls who based on my trauma patterns, because uh, we did power games, 45 minutes to text back just to get validation, whatever, whatever. When I shared to making it about the actions and the values and doing the things I value. I, now I'm literally attracted to different girls because I'm not attracted anymore from the brain patterns. I'm attracted to my real values. You literally, your attraction will change. I used to be attracted to arrogant, stupid girls. I'm, none of these girls I'm attracted to anymore. I'm attracted now to, yeah, still girls that I'm attracted to physically, but if they're not loyal, I'm not attracted to them. If they don't do actions in a, like, 
if they're not capable, I'm un- like I have certain values that I'm attracted to. And they can be beautiful, but if they dumb, I'm literally not attracted to them. I don't want to have sex with them. And some people are like, oh, that's crazy. I don't believe that. Yeah, you can't believe that now because you haven't changed your brain because you're still in your old pattern. You see the world through your same pink glasses. You don't take those glasses off. And guess what? You are literally taking the same teachings. You're looking for teachings from these glasses. You're looking for self-help teachings and for techniques from these glasses. Even your goals, some of your goals are blinded by these glasses. You might want fame because you want validation. You might want to be a movie star because you want validation. You might still love being a movie star after, but can you do it from a place of value? So it's very, if you look at it, it's very deep and it's something that society doesn't teach. And yeah, that's, that, that was important for me to share that because a lot of things that I, I was saying, society is just these techniques, these tricks, this is how you be attractive, how to be attractive. Look at all the TikTok videos, man. Like, this is how you, 12 tricks how to be attractive to these girls. You just have to change this. You have to change that. And they don't show how it fucks up your mental health. Mm, yeah, I you think that, that's the perfect place for us to, to, to finish here because yeah. there's so much, so much gold in there about, you know, there's an idea that society tells us what confidence is and how a confident person should be. And people are trying to be this alpha male or, or trying to be a certain thing rather than being themselves, which is the most confident thing that that can be. Because the most alpha there is. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You, it's so, again, it's it just like, it's like the in, in not seeking the safety or the, the security, um, we then create that instead by being ourselves and being courageous. So I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, thank you so, so much for coming on today. It's been an incredible conversation. I could have chatted for, for hours more. Um, where can where can people find you? Where, where's the best um, place? Yeah, so my TikTok is King of Kings Energy. Uh, my YouTube is King of Kings Energy. And my Instagram is King of Kings Energy. And if you want coaching with me, you can message me on my Instagram. And the link in my bio, there is not only the emotional fitness program, there's how to create self-worth program, how to create healthy relationship program. Many, many resources are there. There's also, I have a community because I like to build a community of like-minded people. We do Zoom calls. They're completely free for them to connect. Uh, We usually, usually have them Sundays where you guys can connect with each other in the community. And yeah, there's all kinds of resources to look at how to build emotional fitness. And I just want to say, I really enjoyed this conversation. John, you're a really good-hearted guy. I can sense that. you. I enjoyed this conversation. It was so respectful, very intelligent. I'm glad, um, yeah, we talked on Instagram. And I'm looking forward to having you on my podcast and asking you. So I'm going to like, have to step my game up to come up with some <laughs> good questions there you, you asked some uh you asked some very good questions i really enjoyed it you know thanks bro i really really appreciate it and look you know for me this is a great opportunity and it shows if you're doing what you love and you do that enough you can then create these opportunities for me you know i remember seeing you six 12 months ago and thinking oh my god i'd love to have a conversation with star like there's so much i'd love to find out and this is the opportunity and, and it's been able to happen. So 
it's been um yeah been a real honor to have you on and like i said i've done um stars emotional fitness program i got a lot of benefit from it so i highly recommend that checking out his content go and connect with him um and find out you know how he can help you be be yourself and create the life that you want so um yeah we'll, we'll end it there thanks so much guys yeah. and we'll see you on the next one big love thank you